Welcome to Canvas Church. You are listening to our weekly celebration service message. Thank you for tuning in. Is anyone enjoying this Freedom Series, though? It, it's, it's good. Man, I've been, I thought Pastor Ben's preaching has just been unreal lately. Has anyone else agreed? Has it been amazing? If, you have, if you've missed anything in this series, I encourage you to go back, uh, go back through it on the website, and uh, you will not regret it. There's been some powerful stuff and something really for everyone. Uh, and we're going to continue in this series. Our, our, our key verse for the, uh, for the series is Galatians 5.1, which says, For freedom Christ has set us free. Oh, you guys, you guys got it. You guys are getting this. All right. Stand firm, therefore, and do not submit again to a yoke of slavery. And, and bear in mind, stand firm, do not submit again to a yoke of slavery. There's a choice in that, isn't there, in that, in that verse? Do you guys see that there's a choice there? We, we've got a choice here, and that's why we teach on liberty and freedom, because you can choose how you live your life. And, and as we teach on this topic, we want you to feel empowered. There are areas of our lives that we feel uh, we feel tied up and we feel limited. We feel like we're under someone else's control. But if we know that we are created in the image of God, we are not bound by anything except our submission to God himself. Amen? And in that, there is liberty. In this Bible that we held up, I believe that the principles in here, uh, I know other people outside of this room may not understand this word. They may look at it and say, well, that's just a rule book, and I don't want to be bound by a rule book. But, but in this word... There are principles for life, to, to know who God is, what his love is for us. And, and the, the wisdom that I've read in this book, even at first when I didn't understand it, I didn't even all agree with it all, if I can be frank. As I began to understand it and, and walk it out, I found liberty. I found freedom for my life, freedom in my relationships, freedom in my confidence, and so I encourage you, as if you don't understand it all, it's okay. Keep moving forward. And as you begin to adhere this word and make it a part of who you are, your life will be more liberated. You'll have more joy. You'll have more freedom. You'll have more abundance. I believe that. And I don't believe that we please God so we can have abundance, but I believe that he's given us the keys to have an abundant life. Jesus himself said, I've come to bring life and life more abundant. Amen. Amen. So as we continue in this, I'm excited for what we have today. It was actually a couple weeks ago in one of Pastor Ben's awesome messages where he was talking about the roots, uh, the root of getting to the root cause of some of our, our lack of freedom. And one of the points, I just wrote a few notes on it from a couple weeks ago. It said, it was talking about bitterness. And it said from uh, my notes, this is just from what I wrote down when he was preaching. I was like, oh, that's so good. And I was saying, this is uh, from things that happen to us. We get a chip on our shoulder. If we can't forgive, it bleeds into relationships with others. It becomes a defense mechanism. There was Matthew six fourteen, uh, And then he said, until you release them and their sin against you, your father can't forgive you, and you are responsible to make it right. And I just was jotting down notes. There was a lot there. But I thought, man, it just started stirring something in me. And, and that's why I wanted to focus on that today, uh, because maybe you all are like me. I have never thought that I'm someone who struggles with unforgiveness. I, I don't feel like I have this predisposition to hold a grudge. And I would look at other people and be like, oh, man, they're so unforgiving, and they hold this grudge, and, you know, I'm glad I'm not like that. <laughs> right? How, it, come on, be honest. How many of y'all have ever done that about something or other, right? 
But what I found is in this last year, I feel like God has really revealed more of what forgiveness really is. I may not be like you or some of you in this room where you've been the victim of a heinous crime. And that's real. Where people in this room have suffered incredible tragedies beyond what I can fathom. I think my life has been pretty, pretty spoiled, to be honest. But, I, but I've, never, I've never had that, that, that horrible thing happen to me. But I, I, I know people who have. I'm married to someone who's had a very challenging past. I, and so we've all been exposed to it in one form or another. But I've found that in my life, I practice forgiveness constantly. I need to. Even though I've never had this heinous thing happen to me, I'm married. <laughs> I've got kids. I've got a boss. I've got a pastor. I've got team members. I've got coworkers. I'm surrounded by a church of people. So guess what? I got to exercise forgiveness because we're people. And so even if it's not a heinous crime, I, I want, want you all to understand that don't check out. Don't check out for this because this message we're going to be talking about today with the lack of forgiveness, it can be so simple as just the person work that annoys you. Honestly, it's I don't agree with my boss's decision. It's, it's the things that, that bother you. It's the, the small grudges. It, it's the filters that we see a group of people. Come on, politics. You know what I'm talking about. Right? The, so it, today the temptation is going to be, oh, I hope so-and-so is here. I hope they're here. They need to hear this. <laughs> you know what I'm talking about? So, but listen, here's the temptation is to do that. As we talk about unforgiveness today, Remove that from you for a second. Yes, we'll pray for that other person that they hear it. That's fine. But for a moment, make the decision today that as we talk about unforgiveness or, or whatever you want to call it, that's actually, if you, if you type that out, Google like underline and say it's not a real word. So it's a Christian word. We just kind of throw it around. But, but bitterness, uh, uh, grudges, grievances, whatever you want to call it. Make the decision today that as we go through this that you will look inside yourself and God, would you reveal in me, who do I have a filter as I look at them? Who, whose motives do I question? What person at work or what neighbor, what person in the church, what family member kind of bothers me? What is it, God, that I need to address in my heart? I challenge you today as we go through this to look inside yourself and let God do a work in you because I promise you, if you come in looking for answers, God will give it to you. Whatever you look for, you will find. I want to start real quick with a story about uh, a time that my wife and I went to, uh, well, it was our honeymoon. We went to Puerto Vallarta, or if you're a gringo, it's Puerto Vallarta. And, and we, we don't have a lot of, you know, intercultural experience. And so we went to Puerto Vallarta, and we went to uh, like we went all the touristy things and so my wife like goes in front and I, I get right behind my wife and like we just go get in a line and then all of a sudden like everyone in the boat just comes and like floods the place and then my wife is she's like backing up because all these people are just kind of wedging in right in front of her and and they're and then this one lady I'll remember because I was standing behind my wife this one lady literally like kind of shoulders her way in front of my wife and she looks back and she's like 
And you could just see my wife's face like, what did you just, I mean, she just cut right, she was just irate. And you could see like the inner chola coming out, you know. And it was like, I'd like grab her and hold her back and be like, come and say, come and say. It was, she was ornery. I mean, it was, she was angry. And, and what, we, what we realized is that as we waited in lines, they, they didn't do lines there. As we were driving in the streets, they don't, I don't even think they have lanes I mean, it, it, was, it was just different. And so where we were, we were offended, thinking like, oh, my gosh, they cut in front of us. I can't believe that. After a few days, we're like, oh, that's not rude here. Like, they're not being jerks. That's just how they do stuff. And all of a sudden, we had to take a step back and look at the bigger picture and realize, oh, it's a different culture. Okay. And, and all of a sudden, this offense was diminished by, by compassion and comprehension. When we had an understanding of why they did it, and that their motives weren't because, oh, I'm just going to go cut in front of this white girl, right? But, oh, no, it, it's just, this is how they do things. This is the way they were taught, and, and they were, they, their intentions weren't bad after all. And through understanding uh, the, the, the bigger picture, we were able to let go of these little offenses, these grievances, because we understood more about their heart. And so today I want to, we're going to dive into to a story in the Bible. And, and I love the Bible because it, it, it doesn't, doesn't really paint like a beautiful picture of all the characters, right? Jesus is the one flawless person. Everyone else, it shows their junk a lot of times. I mean, just, they're not the perfect person. You know, sometimes we look at Joseph, oh, I want to be just like him. And man, he was messed up too. You know, we see this in the story. You know, Moses, like, man, that guy was not perfect. And so when we look at these characters, we think, I want to be just like them. And Because we think their story's cool. Their story's cool only because of God. That's the only reason their story's cool. So if you want to be like them, you can be. You're just as messed up as they are. Just invite God in and let him do a work in your life. Amen? So I'm not going to... Uh, I'm not going to uh, go through the whole story because it goes from Genesis 37 to 45. Like, it's just a long story. And so if I can quickly just kind of summarize it, uh, I, I encourage you. I'm not going to do the story justice. It's like a really cool one, lots of action, tons of scandal. It's good. So, so go back and read it. It's really good. Uh, so you can start then Genesis 37. We're going to read out of uh, Genesis 45 in a moment in my pink Bible. And... It's fun. <laughs> but the story of Joseph, it, it, he's, he's the youngest. He, there's, there's 12 uh, brothers, and he, I think he's the second youngest. He's got his younger brother, Benjamin, I believe. Is that right, Steve? Steve would know. Yeah, see, he's the scholar. I just yell a lot. So, so he's the second youngest, right? So he's kind of the baby brother. He's got 10 older brothers. I kind of imagine him as being like, like Pastor Ben with his three older brothers, and he like kind of irritates them, right? He's not here. I'm saying go. It's pretty true, huh? Yeah. So, <laughs> so, but, but he tells these dreams to his brothers, and, and Joseph's kind of the favorite. Like dad favors him and gave him this really cool coat, and, and he's kind of a spoiled kid, right? And so he goes to his brothers and says, "Hey, I had this dream that you guys are all bowing down to me, and wasn't that great?" And he's like, "Just I don't know if he's just naive or if he's actually just trying to like you know like jab him. I don't know." But they get really annoyed with him because he does it more than once. He even annoyed his dad. And so they, they conspired to kill Joseph. And then one or two of them like, ah, maybe we shouldn't kill him. At least we can make some money. Let's go sell him into slavery. 
And so they throw him in a pit, they sell him into slavery, and even in slavery, it said that God was with him. And, and, and in that moment, he could be bitter and bent out of shape, but, but he works hard and he has favor in slavery, and he gets put over the household. And then he gets kind of, well, I don't know the word, gets, <laughs> someone else treats him poorly. And, uh, and, and there too, he gets, he gets falsely accused of a crime, then he gets thrown into prison. And then in prison, he, he said also God was with him, he had favor. And so there, too, he helps someone. He helps someone in need. And he says, remember me when you go back to your position. Help me get out of prison. Years go by. Two years go by. And that person finally is like, oh, yeah, I forgot about Joseph in prison. And they finally get him out. And so he goes through all these hardships. And you could say, man, I didn't deserve this. I was wronged by this person, by that person, by the other person, by my own brothers. And so, but it turns out for good because God used him to interpret a dream that would help him save thousands of lives. And because of his ability to interpret these dreams and his ability to serve other people, Pharaoh put him over all of Egypt to, to help more people and to save lives. And again, there's a lot to that story. I want you to go back and read it. But we're going to pick it up in uh, Genesis 45, verses 1 through 8. So his brothers have, have come to Egypt really to seek out food because they, there's a famine in the land, and they don't recognize Joseph. And so we pick it up here. Joseph plays a bunch of tricks on his brothers, and the entire thing is very emotional for him. Uh, he says here in verse 1, Then Joseph could not control himself before all those who stood by him. He cried, Make everyone go out from me. So no one stayed with him when Joseph made himself known to his brothers. And Joseph wept aloud so that the Egyptians heard it and the household of Pharaoh heard it. And Joseph said to his brothers, I am Joseph. Is my father still alive? But his brothers could not answer him for they were dismayed at his presence. So Joseph said to his brothers, come near to me, please. And they came near. And he said, I am your brother Joseph, whom you sold into Egypt. And now do not be distressed or angry with yourselves, because you sold me here. For God sent me before you to preserve life. For the famine has been in the land these two years, and there are yet five years in which there will be neither plowing nor harvest. And God sent me before you to preserve you a remnant on earth. And no, uh, and uh, to you, I'm sorry, my eyes are going bad, I need glasses. And to keep alive for you many survivors. So it was not you who sent me here, but God. He has made me a father to Pharaoh and Lord of all his house and ruler over all the land of Egypt. Lord, thank you so much, God, for this great example. I pray that you would. Make it come alive to us in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. And maybe, like I could say, like you, uh, you would say that I'm not someone that, that suffers from bitterness. I don't feel like I've got any major grudges. And ultimately, again, we, I, I want us to know that, that even the smallest offenses can become big ones. We may think that we've got, uh, you know, we don't, ha- we don't have a big deal with that in our personal lives, but we see it being a really big deal in the Bible. There are verses like Mark eleven twenty five that says, forgive so that your father may forgive you. And we see a dependence on us forgiving to be able to really receive God's forgiveness. 
Or Ephesians 4.32, forgive others as God forgave you. And so there's, there's this correlation to our forgiveness to God's forgiveness. And so it is a big deal in the Bible, and that's one of many. But there, it's a big deal, and so because of that, it's not something that you can learn in a day. It's not something you can learn in one book or one sermon, but it's something that we learn daily. And so it's not, it's not something we can hit into the, or uh, beat into the ground, amen? So real quick, before we move too far, though, I want to talk about what forgiveness is not. Uh, I want to start there for a moment, because I think that if, if we understand forgiveness, we can still be kind of uh, blinded by these false uh, ideas on what forgiveness really is. So I want to talk about a few things forgiveness is not, and I'll try to breeze through these for the sake of time, but uh, number one, forgiveness is not waiting for time to heal all wounds. Forgiveness is not waiting for time to heal all wounds. Sometimes we think that, oh, it really hurts, but I'll just wait, and then later it will go away on its own, and that is not the case. We see a lot of people that are much older who are still very, very bitter. <laughs> we, we, I have a saying that says, as you get older, you either get better or you get bitter. And I believe that. I, I, time does not heal these wounds. Number two, forgiveness is not letting the guilty off the hook. It's not letting the guilty off the hook. See, that, that's like a fishing term, right? You've got a fish in a pretty sticky situation. And so we have someone on the hook for their crime, but the, the weight of their guilt is too heavy for you to bear. The weight of their guilt is too heavy for you to bear. So we're not letting them off the hook. You're putting them on God's hook. You're putting them on God's hook because they still may be guilty. But give that to God because justice is the Lord's. Don't let them off the hook, but get them off of your hook. That is too heavy a burden for you to bear. Forgiveness is not the same as reconciliation. It's not the same as reconciliation. To reconcile two people, that requires two people. Just because you forgive someone doesn't mean you are reconciling with them. Forgiveness only requires one person. Forgiveness only requires one person. It takes one person to forgive. Forgiveness is not excusing unjust behavior. You're not excusing the behavior. You're not saying, well, I guess it's okay. No, it wasn't. No, it wasn't okay, and it's okay to say that. You're not excusing the behavior. You're not saying it's okay. We're not justifying it. No, if they did you wrong, they did you wrong, but that's not the same as forgiveness. Forgiveness is not based on what is fair. Dang, if we're looking for fairness, I try to beat that out of my kids right now. Don't you dare use that word fair. We don't use that word in our household. You're right. It's not fair. Fairness is not, is not, is, is, does not correlate to forgiveness. Because guess what? You're forgiven. And that's not fair. It's not fair. Thank God that he doesn't deal with fair. So we're not dealing with fair either. Amen. Forgiveness is not being a weak martyr. Forgiveness is not being a weak martyr. It doesn't mean you just passively say, like, okay, I, I guess I'll just take it. That's not the case at all. To truly forgive someone, you've got to be strong. Forgiveness takes way more strength than victimhood. It takes a lot more strength to forgive. And for those who have truly forgiven someone, they know that. They can attest that that's a process. I worked hard to forgive that person. It takes a lot of strength to forgive, but it's worth it. It's worth it. That's what Christ did. If we want to be more like Christ, man, that's a strong man right there. 
Lastly, forgiveness is not a feeling. Forgiveness is not a feeling. I've heard people say, I'm not ready yet. What that means is I don't feel like it. Guess what? You probably never will. Because we're, we're, we're basing on feelings to begin with. You're not going to feel like forgiving. But again, it's worth it. But it's not a feeling. It is a choice. Forgiveness is a You guys are paying attention. Good job. So what is forgiveness? Let me touch on this for a moment. What is forgiveness? Forgiveness means to dismiss a debt or to release your rights regarding the offense. When someone has committed an offense, there's often this expectation, there's this, I have the rights to make it right, and we, we feel like we've got this, this debt. And that's the, the Greek word, uh, ephesus, I don't know how to say it, ephesus. But it, it actually denotes a dismissal or release of a debt. Forgiveness is actually dismissing your demand that others owe you something. It's letting go of this debt that they owe you something, letting go of that. When they fail to meet your expectations. Think about that with your boss, with your leaders, with your coworkers, that you've got these expectations that they are not meeting. When you let go of those expectations for them, when they don't keep a promise, when they fail to treat you justly, you're letting go of that demand for them to owe you something. You're releasing your rights for things like hearing, I'm sorry. You may not hear that. They may not come to you and even ask for your forgiveness but we feel like it's owed to us. Even to dwell on the offense or even to bring it up again. Do you have the right to bring it up years from now? You could if you want. But are you willing to release that debt so that your life is liberated? The root cause of unforgiveness is when we are hurt, when we're hurt, someone inflicts pain on us. They've injected us with some power. They've They've taken advantage of some weakness in us, some insecurity, some vulnerability. And so they've, they've imposed themselves and their power on us with their decisions, with their words, with their actions. And so what happens is that we have, we have this bitterness that we literally will hold on to. We will refuse to relinquish it because it gives us a false sense of power. It gives us a false sense of power and control and even superiority. I, at one time in college, I, I was playing football, and someone else was running by. It's a contact sport. I got cleated on the ankle. Small scratch. Nothing big. And, and, and I just ignored it. A little bit of blood. Just, you know, put a little Band-Aid on. No big deal. Totally not a big deal. Until a few days later, I'm like, it's starting to turn red. It's weird. Eh, well, tape it up. No big deal. Go back, to, go back to playing football. And then a few days later, why is it getting all, like, drippy and oozy? That's weird. And I, well, keep playing, <laughs> tape it up, just keep going. And it, it's on my ankle, so it didn't hurt. But all of a sudden, a week or two weeks goes by, I don't remember how long it was, and I'm like, man, that doesn't look good. What is wrong with that thing? And, and all of a sudden, it starts affecting your walk a little bit, right? Because now it's starting to hurt a little bit. And, and it's now affecting my walk, my gait, my ability to play. It's starting to affect, and then all of a sudden, my beautiful girlfriend at the time, she's like, hey, you want to dance? I'm like, oh, I, 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 not, I, I'm not really a dancing kind of person. And, and also, it's affecting your relationship with someone else. That small little scratch, when it gets infected, can, can travel in your body. I go to the doctor at the, at the, at the, 
at the campus, and he looks at you and goes, whoa, how long has it been like that? I'm like, I don't know. He's like, here, go get his prescription. I was like, okay, cool. I, I, I got time tomorrow. No, now, go get it now. I'm like, oh, okay. <laughs> I could tell there was a sense of urgency that this thing could spread and do more damage. And I don't think we realize because we, we cover it up. We put a little bandage over it. And we think, I'm good. It doesn't really hurt. I'm fine. And, and, and we can kind of hide our, 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 our gait. You know, we, we can kind of walk normal. We're fine. I'm good. I'm just not a dancing person. Yeah, that's, and all of a sudden, now we kind of put up this defense mechanism with other people because we're protecting our wound. Because this is, this is, this is the trophy, this is the, the, the thing that indicates that person hurt me, and I need to hold on to it as evidence of, their, of the way they hurt me. And so I'm just going to cover it up, and I'm going to just go about my business. It's fine. I can, I can get by with it. It's fine. But I don't want to let go of it. I don't want to heal it. I don't want to, to, un, to expose it because I want to hold on to it because that person hurt me, and this is my evidence. And, and we hold on to a poison that hurts us more than it hurts the other person. We retain this poison, this control, trying to hurt someone else, and all we do is hurt ourselves. And it begins to affect our relationships with other people. It begins to build up walls. And now there's sensitivity, right? And so someone at work is, oh, well, gosh, the sky's blue today. What? Why does it always be about color? It's like the, we build these sensitivities because of past pain. And there, it's legitimate pain. It's legitimate. But it begins to affect every area of our lives. And we have these, these insecurities, these pains, these vulnerabilities that, that we've held on to. When someone has found a, a, a chink in our armor. And we've got these wounds now that we are not letting go of. And it's our choice. It's like, I think I've used this analogy before, but you've got this garden. It's, it's, it's the garden of your heart. Now, the Bible says to guard your heart with vigilance, for it's the wellspring of life. And so this walled garden, when someone plants a seed, throws over the wall a seed of a weed or some moss or some bacteria, something that can, can corrupt the rest of your garden, you can't help that they did it, but you can... Decide how you react to it. Will you allow that to grow? Will you permit that to stay in your garden? It's not your fault. It's there. It's not. But what do you decide to do with this? So the question is not, do they forgive, or I'm sorry, do they deserve my forgiveness? That's not the question. The question is not, do they deserve my forgiveness? The question is, do I want to become more like Christ? It's not do they deserve my forgiveness, but do I want to become more like Christ? And he was a man who lived in freedom and liberty. So what can we learn from Joseph's journey here? I've only got three points. We'll keep it simple. What can we learn from Joseph's journey to forgive? Number one, feel the pain. Number one, feel the pain. Genesis 45, 1 through 2 jo Joseph wept loudly. And that wasn't the first time. Read back in the story, he wept a lot. Even the birth of his son, he was thinking about his past. It tainted even, even the birth of his son, he was thinking about his past and how that related to that. 
This is not someone that, you know, sometimes you have that coworker who's always like, Chipper, and hi, how are you? I'm not going to pretend that was Joseph. I believe he felt the pain. I believe he felt it. I believe that it was real to him. It impacted his life. He wept. He wept. How many of us will bandage up that wound and act like it's not there? Feel the pain. Acknowledge what you've been through. Acknowledge what you've been through. Don't ignore it. Don't hide it. it Jesus wept as well. We can't suppress the pain. We need to process it. Don't suppress the pain, but rather process it. James 5.16 says, confess your sins to each, each other and pray for each other so that you may be healed. God wants us healed. So process the pain. Acknowledge it. Talk to somebody about it. You've got a small group leader. You've got pastors. You've got counselors in the church, outside the church. Process your pain. Talk through it. When you begin to process it with your words, out of the abundance of the heart, the mouth speaks. And if we can begin to talk through it and get counsel through it, we can begin to see healing. But we just try to cover everything up and act like everything's okay, and it is eating us away inside. And this is not just the big things. These are the small things, these grievances we have. Have you talked to that person about it? Whoa, what? Like direct communication? That's weird. Yeah, talk to them. Talk to them. Process it. Acknowledge what you've been through. Talk to that person so that you may be healed. Number two, forgive the person. Number one, feel the pain. Number two, forgive the person. This is, this is huge. And again, this is a process. This is not done in a day, but I believe it's done daily. Genesis 45, 5 through 8, man, do not be distressed and do not be angry with yourselves. That, that is a mature statement. Joseph didn't just forgive and dismiss the debt, but he had compassion on them. He had compassion on them. He heard them speaking in their native language while he was speaking Egyptian. He was, he was tricking them, but he heard them saying, man, I, I knew we should have done that to our brother, and that was years ago. And they're still dealing with the grief, the pain they've watched on their father's face for years. They've dealt with that. They've had remorse for that. And he says, don't be angry at yourselves. This is someone that, these are the people that sold him into slavery, and he's worried about their feelings? Yes. When you truly forgive someone else, you actually begin to see it from their perspective. Ephesians 4, 31, 32, it says, get rid of all bitterness, rage, and anger, brawling, and slander, along with every form of malice, even the little ones. Be kind and compassionate to one another, forgiving each other, just as in Christ God forgave you. First, we need to get rid of our anger, and then we can learn to have compassion. Because the way you do that is by seeing things through God's eyes. There's an amazing example. My wife, her biological mom, died at the hands of another person, and he went to prison. He died in prison. There, there's no closure to that. We don't even know the full story. And, and how many of you would believe that that's something to be a little bit bent out of shape about? So my wife, and I don't remember when this was, but 
at some point she had to process that. I mean, wrote all sorts of things about it, telling the story, retelling the story, processing what happened. And at some point, she began to think about this man who's now dead, died in prison, this terrible drug dealer, murderer, I mean, awful individual. And, and her perspective is, God, how do I process this? She began to think about him, let go of her pain, and then wh- what is his story? How did he get there? He now probably has a mom that her son is dead. He, at some point in his youth, someone had to teach him how to deal drugs. He wasn't born a drug dealer. So how did he get there? What did his dad teach him? What did his schoolmates, his community, his family, all the way back from his, his youth to his adolescence to his childhood, what did he suffer through to get him to that place? God has this image of us from beginning to end. If we can take a step back from our pain, this hurts. If we can take a step back from our pain and be like, how did they get there to where they're doing this to me? They stole from me. I wonder what need they have that they're that desperate. Wow, they must be in a hurting place for them to hurt me so bad. I wonder what they're going through. For them to lash out at me like they did at work, I wonder why they would do that. But if all we can think about is our pain, we'll never get there. We'll never be able to see them the way God sees them. We'll never be able to go back to have compassion on them. But when you do, you are liberated. When you can begin to see them the way God sees them, you can have true liberty. And that's how God forgave you. That's why Jesus was willing to die on the cross for your sins. Because he sees you from the youth. He knows why you're messed up. (laughs) He knows why I'm messed up. And he has compassion on us. He's not here to judge us or condemn us, but he came that we might have forgiveness. Amen? We need to see others through God's eyes, and that's how you can truly forgive someone. So number one, feel the pain. Number two, forgive the person. Number three, find the purpose. Number three is find the purpose. And this is where we can begin to look beyond ourselves. Look beyond ourselves. Joseph found purpose in his pain. We read it here. It says, so then it was not you who sent me here, but God. He found purpose in his pain. We know that for those who love God, all things work together for good for those who are called according to his purposes. God brought you here for a purpose. I believe that as we grieve, God grieves with us. But he does allow those things to happen because he can use it for good. The, the, the small grievances at work, that's a chance for you to show the love of God. That's a chance for you to shine the light of Jesus in the workplace. Those heinous crimes. The Bible says that through the comfort that God gives, we are then able to comfort others. And now you've got the ability to, to do good for someone else out of your pain. Joseph was able to save thousands of lives because of the offense that was put onto him. And so he found the purpose in it. And that allowed him to accept the pain and know that it was unto good. But we usually don't look that far. We usually don't look that far to have compassion on the person or beyond that to find a greater purpose in that, in that offense. Because there are facts of what happened to you at work. Yes, that guy is really annoying at work. Yes, that guy did cut you off. 
Yes, I as a pastor made a terrible decision or miscommunicated something. Yes, it happened. There's the facts of what happened to you, but then there's how you interpret those facts. What meaning do you ascribe to those facts? What meaning do you ascribe when someone does that? You could say, oh gosh, I must be a terrible person or, or they must be a terrible person or maybe there's an opportunity here. How can this be used for good? What, what meaning can you ascribe to the things you've been through? What purpose can you find in it? That's a decision. It's whatever you're looking for. So finding purpose takes the focus off you and what it does too is it, it liberates you. It liberates you from becoming a victim to now becoming a victor. When you can take your focus off of yourself and find purpose in the pain, purpose in that challenge you've suffered, it takes you from, I'm no longer a victim of this circumstance, but I'm going to use it to my advantage. And now you become the victor, and you are empowered, and you're liberated from that pain that was inflicted on you. And so if you want to be a victor, we've got to find the purpose in the pain. And the thing is, Jesus died that painful death so that you could have purpose. He suffered more than any of us so that you could live your life with purpose. So no matter what happens to you, you can see through it. You're not going to be bound by that bitterness, bound by that pain. But I believe that that God wants us to have that that type of purpose and not be bound up in those chains. Uh, Worship team can come up. Ephesians 1.7 says, In him we have redemption through his blood, the forgiveness of sins, in accordance with the riches of God's grace. Thank you for joining us today. For more information, please visit our website at www.canvaschurchsd.com.